discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. So this morning, I want to share with you briefly on our union, um, supernatural accomplishments through our union with Christ. This is our month of supernatural accomplishment through our union with Christ, isn't it? It's our year of supernatural accomplishments, isn't it so? Yeah. And this month is our month of supernatural accomplishments through our union with Christ. Hallelujah. So this year we are saying that you are going to be accomplishing things supernaturally. Or you are going to have supernatural accomplishments in every aspect of your life. That's what we are saying, isn't it? Or that's what the Holy Spirit is saying. And there are various means or various things um, which serve as references for us in expressing what God wants us to express. Are you in the church? And what I want to focus on this month is on our union with Christ. How our union in Christ puts us over. Okay? Tell me about how our union with Christ puts us over or gives us supernatural abilities. Praise the Lord. Is it a good thing to talk about? So I want us to start from John chapter 14. I'm going to be doing that in the next three Sundays or in the next four Sundays. Yes. Next month will be a month of supernatural accomplishments through the word. So I'm going to be sharing some things concerning the word that can help you um, accomplish what you're supposed to accomplish. John 14, 18. John 14, 18. We are going to read all the way to 20. Now, this is Jesus talking. Okay? How many of you know Jesus? How many of you know that Jesus is the Son of God? And how many of you know that Jesus is God? So this is God talking. Whenever you are reading concerning Jesus, you know that God is the one who is talking. Now, this is what Jesus said before he died. Uh, this is actually a discourse, the last message of Jesus. This is the last message of Jesus before he went to the cross. After this message, he was arrested and put to death. Now, as he was preaching, he got to this point and said, I will not leave you comfortless. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. Then he says, I will come to you. How am I going to come to you? I'm going to come to you through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I will not leave you what? Comfortless. I will come to you. Next verse. Then he says, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. The world will not see me after some time. Can, the world, can you see him? When he died, nobody, after he died, they, they, they couldn't see him publicly like that. So he was letting them know what was going to happen to him. He says, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me. You, my disciples, will see me. Because I live, you shall live also. 
Because I am alive, you shall also be alive. Next verse. At that day, which day? The day that I leave the earth. And the days that follow my exit of the earth. So he's talking about these days. He's talking about our time. At that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Are you seeing it? Jesus says that when I leave, you would know that I am in the Father. And you would know that you are in me, and I in you. Now, Jesus was talking about the union that we will have with him through his death, burial, and resurrection. So, if you are born again today, where are you? Ask your neighbor, where are you? Why are you staying? Ask for an answer. <laughs> you are in Christ. See, I'm in Christ. Say it like you mean it. I'm in Christ. You see, it's very... The reason why a lot of Christians have issues is because of their perception and their mindset, where their mind is. If you, if you think that you are, you are living in Agoba, Sun City, or you are living at uh, Hatu, that is your location, then that is all you will have. Do you know that the, the area you live in somehow, some way, somehow influences your confidence and your attitude? Is it true? Yeah. Even where you come from, if you were born in America, if you were born in America in Kumase, Kumerica, <laughs> but if you were born in America, there's a certain confidence it comes with. Is it true? That's why people are dying for American, American passports. People are dying for British book. Someone said, I got a British book. Hey! Because where you are ends up influencing what you can accomplish. Do you think it is true? So Jesus starts off by letting us know that we come from somewhere. We are in a certain place. We are actually in him. We are united with him. So in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, he says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If any man is in Christ, your consciousness of where you are makes all the difference. If you think you are, you are, in, a, you are in suffering, you are just going to be suffering in life, that is all you will get. You will only get suffering. If you think that you are... Uh, you are not going to do well, you will not do well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's what? He's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Then he says, and all these new things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Wow. Now, he's trying to let you know what his desire is. His desire, his desire is that you will be conscious of where you are. And where you are is in him. We are united. Remember, we said that Jesus is God, right? We are now united with God. Can you imagine? 
our new birth gives us the opportunity to be united with God. Now, you can be a Christian and not know it. That's what I'm teaching you. And that's why I'm letting you know that this month you should be living from that consciousness. The fact that I am united with God. Now, what does that bring you? What does your consciousness of your, un- your unity or your union with Christ or your union with God do for you? That's what I'm, I'll be discussing with you. Okay? The three Hebrew boys who ended up going into the fire did not get bent in the fire because of the consciousness they had. They said that, O king, be it known unto you that we will not bow. We know that our God is able to deliver us. But even if he chooses not to deliver us, we will not bow down to you. Be it known unto you that we will not bow down to you. And when they went in there, there was a fourth man with them. And they came out of the fire without even a smell of smoke on them. There was no smell of smoke on them. Not even one hair on them was bent. Because of the consciousness they had of who was with them. Do you see? In the New Testament, we have something better than what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. He says, at that day, you shall know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He is in you, and you are in him. Our location on earth is just a physical location. Our spiritual location is in Christ, is in God. Hallelujah. So if you read in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, let's look at Colossians 3, 2. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. You are dead and your life is hid in Christ. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Have you seen it? He says, for you are dead. Tell your neighbor, for you are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. So you are not ordinary. The atmosphere in which you live is the atmosphere of God. Where you you are located is God. You are in God. You are in Christ. That is where you come from. I preached years ago concerning the land called Christ. There's a land that we have been born into. There's a place where we have come from. That place is called Christ. We are in Jesus and he is in us. That is where we are. We are one with him. We are united with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17. These things are very important. If someone, if you are going to do a business deal, and you understand that you are in Christ and that you are one with God. Who is the one doing the deal? It is God who is doing the deal. Is it going to fail? Can God touch something for it to fail? Your consciousness of your oneness with God is what puts you over. Your consciousness of your union with Christ is what puts you over. Hallelujah. Can you read this one to me? One to go. Only three people are reading. Let's read it together. One, two, go. He that is joined unto the Lord is what? Are you joined unto the Lord? How are you joined unto the Lord? Through your new birth. Through your, your salvation. Your salvation makes you one with God. So you are not an ordinary person moving around. What do you think about what I'm saying? You are not an ordinary person moving around. You are, you are, you are very special. You are not normal. You are supernormal. Say I'm supernormal. Let that break. God wants you to be confident in life. He doesn't want you to be afraid. I don't know me. I'm from uh, Sepase. And because I'm from Sepase. Do you know Sepase? Because I'm from Sepase, there's nothing good that can happen for me. No. There's something more than Sepase where you were born, naturally speaking. You were born from heaven on a certain day when you gave your life to Christ. To be born again means to be born from heaven. 
The word born again, as Jesus used, means to be born from heaven. The, word, the Greek word for born is genao. The Greek word for above, uh, sorry, the Greek word for again is above, is anoden. It means above or heaven. So if you are born again, you are actually born from above. You are born from heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say I'm not ordinary. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Say I'm one with him. Say it like you believe it. I'm one with him. This is actually God's desire. This was Jesus' desire before he died. If you read in John chapter 17, let's read from verse 20. John 17 from verse 20. Do you like what I'm sharing with you? If you believe in these things and if you allow them to settle in your heart, they will put you over in life. I am not afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. There's nothing that can bring fear into me. Of course, fear would normally want to knock on my, knock on my door, trying to have an entrance to me. But because of my consciousness of the fact that I'm one with him, I'm one with God, fear cannot have, a, have control over me. Yeah. Some people are afraid of everything. Fear of heights. Fear of weight. Fear of what? Small spaces. Fear of death. Fear of heat. <laughs> fear of poverty. Fear of fear. Fear of darkness. Wow. Are you in the church? If you know that you are one with God, just imagine that you are one with God. So the Bible explains it in various ways. It uses various means and ways to explain it. And I'm going to use some of them to explain it to you. Okay? Now look at this one. This is Jesus praying. This is the, actually the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is not our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus was teaching them what manner, the manner of prayer. But in this particular place, Jesus was actually praying for you and I. So if you read from verse 1, you say, go to verse 1. Jump all the way back to verse 1. John 17, 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. So he started, he lifted up his eyes to the father and started praying. Are you seeing it? Now, as he prayed and spoke and said so many things, he got to a point where he started talking about you and me. So that's what is in verse, seven, verse 20. Jesus prayed for you before he left this world. Wow. I'll tell you, but you are very special. Jesus prayed for you. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Go to verse 20 now. He says, Neither pray I for these alone. He says, I'm not only praying for the disciples that are here with me, the apostles that are here with me, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Who is that? You and I, isn't it? So Jesus mentioned you. He says, I'm not praying for only these ones that I can see. I'm praying for all those who believe in me through their word. That includes you. Say, that includes me. Then he says, this is my prayer for them. I pray that they all, they may, they, they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Have you seen it? They also may be what? One in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. He says, I want them to know that they are in me. They are one in me. Hey. Next verse. Verse 22. And the glory which thou givest me, I have given them. Wow. The glory which thou givest me, I have what? 
I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus was one with the Father. Jesus said, as the Father, he says that, uh, John 10, 30, what does it say? I and my Father are one, isn't it? When Jesus said that, what happened? The Bible says that they took stones, the Jews took stones to stone him. Why? Because he being a man was making himself God. That's what he said. He says, you being a man, make it so. Then the Jews, let's read 30 into 31 so they can understand. John 10, 30 into 31. Now, Jesus said this, I and my father are what? Are one. I and my father are one. When he said that, look at the next verse. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. They, they wanted to stone him there and then. Then he asked them. Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of these good works do you stone me? Why are you stoning me? I've done so many nice things. I've healed the sick. I've raised the dead. I've done so many nice things. So why are you stoning me? Next verse. The Jews answered him, saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. They knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. To say that you are one with the father or you are one with God makes you God. So what I'm telling you is very, very important. If you agree that you are one with him, it will change the way you think about yourself. And, change, and it will change your results. So Jesus said, I in them and thou in me, that they may know that they are in us. Go back to John chapter 17. It was his prayer. That was his prayer. We are in verse 22. And the glory which thou givest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Then he explains it. Next verse. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. He loves you as much as he loved Jesus. That's how important and how special you are to him. Wow. He says, I in them, this is the glory, this is where the glory comes from. I, your knowledge of the fact that he is in you and you are in him is what puts you over in life. So you are one with him. Say, I'm one with him. Say like you believe it. I'm one with him. Are you born again? Ask your neighbor, are you born again? If you are born again, tell anybody, if you are born again, then you are one with him. Just as Jesus was one with his father. You are now one with the father. And you are now one with Christ. Ask your neighbor, what does that make you? What does that make you? What did your neighbor say? So this was Jesus' main reason for dying. He died so that he might live through us. And we through him. So that we will be one. Just as he is one with the father. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. 1 John 4, verse 9. So I'm showing you facts of the fact that, uh, facts to let you know that you are actually one. We are one with him. We are united with him. See, I'm united with him. Not mind you. Not mind you. Eh? You are united. You are one with him. So read this one to me. One to go. 1 John 4, 9. In this was manifested love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might what? Live through Him. He wants us to live through Him. Okay? Huh. But I want to show you some more. Let me show you some more. 
This is my wife. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. Now, through marriage, we become one. Isn't it? In Genesis chapter 2, when God made uh, Eve for the man, he said that for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave himself unto his wife. And they two shall become one flesh. That was in Genesis chapter 2, uh, the last verses, of, last verses of Genesis chapter 2. But in Ephesians chapter 5, from verse 30, look at Ephesians 5.30. A similar thing is said, but this time around with a different uh, mindset of the individuals that are, being, that are under discussion. So he says, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Verse 31. Then he says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. Have you seen it? Yes, this is what I just mentioned to you. Now, next verse. Then it says, this is a great mystery. What I just said is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. So Christ and the church are actually married. And hence their marital union makes them one. Who is the church? You and I are the church. So in, go up to uh, verse 24. Go up to 24. Let's read 23. Go to 23. 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Have you seen it? He's talking about marriage, but then he says the wife should submit to the husband as unto the Lord. Next verse. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So it's like he's letting you know that Jesus and the church are married. And Jesus is the head of the church, which is the woman. Are you seeing it? Then he says, and he's the, he's, and he's the savior of the body. Next verse, verse 24. Therefore, as a church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Next verse, verse 25. Then it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So the church is the bride of Christ. And the church is united with Jesus in one. That is why in Acts chapter 9, when Paul was persecuting the church, Jesus appeared to him and told him, so, so, it is, it is difficult for thee to kick against the pricks or to kick against the nails. Who, who, who gets hurt when you are kicking against, you are kicking your legs against a nail? Who gets hurt? Is it you or the nails? You. So Paul, Jesus was telling him that you are actually kicking against nails. You will, you will not succeed with what you are doing. Now when Jesus came, he said, so, so, why persecutest thou me? Go back, go to that place. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Um, let's read verse 4 now. And he fell to the earth and heard the voice, a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. This is Jesus talking. Oh. Jesus was talking to Saul, who later on became Paul. He asked him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why are you persecuting me? Paul was not there when Jesus was around. Paul was a small boy when Jesus was around. This was several years after Jesus had died and gone. Jesus appeared to Saul and said, why are you persecuting me? Saul never persecuted Jesus. He never did. Because Saul was persecuting the church, Jesus said, you are persecuting me. Why? Because he is one with the church. Whatever is done to you is done to Jesus. You didn't hear that. I said, you are so one with him. You are so united with him that whatever is done to you is done to him. Your failure is his failure. Your success is his success. That is how serious it is. Your increase is his increase. His glory is your glory. His power is your power. His love is your love. His joy is your joy. Wow. 
Say I'm one with him. Say it like you believe it. We are united with him. Because of our marital union, we are one with him. Apart from that, we are united with him because we are one body with him. So I'm showing you various things that makes us one with him. Are you in the church? I've mentioned our marital union. Okay? Because of the new birth, we are one with him through our marital union in the new birth. Apart from that, we are one with him because we are in the same body. We are the same body with him. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Can you all read this to me? One to go. Wow. Read it again like you mean it. One to go. Uh huh. Uh huh. So he says, by one spirit, by one Holy Spirit, are we all baptized into one body? So what body is that? Let me show it to you. Go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Ephesians 1, 21 and 22. So just imagine if you are walking through town with the consciousness that you are one with the Lord. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. We are one. I'm one with him. Whatever I touch will work. Everything in heaven responds to Jesus. Everything on earth responds to Jesus. The fishes came into Peter's nets because they heard the voice of creation. When Jesus spoke and said, let down your nets for a catch, the fishes heard his voice. And they swam from wherever they were into into Peter's nets. That voice is now your voice. That voice is now united with your voice. As you talk, it is his voice that is talking. Brother, you have no excuse. You cannot fail. It's not possible. What do you need to do? Agree with what God has said concerning you. That the problem that God has with his children is their agreement with him. Because normally when he's talking like this to them, they think that oh, it's, 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 this one it cannot be true. Maybe it's for some other people. I'm not so good enough. Media, I have too many problems. Media, my challenges are a lot. No. He says he has made you one with himself. So what is your problem? He says that he has made you one with him. He says you are now united with him. He says, I've, 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 made, I've, I've given you myself as, my, as your inheritance. God has willed himself to us as, his, as our inheritance. He calls it the promise of the Spirit. We are talking about it this morning. My wife and I were discussing it. The promise of the Spirit, which is our greatest inheritance. God has given us his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit is him. His Holy Spirit is his power. We are now one with him. So as you are moving around, you are moving around as God in this earth. Hey, it's difficult to say, but that is the truth. So maybe you are sleeping under a bridge right now. What will take you out of the bridge to where God wants you to be is your knowledge concerning where you, have, where you are located now. Your knowledge concerning your oneness with him, like I'm telling you. Your moving forward, your forward and upward movement is dependent on your knowledge. They say knowledge is power. Have you heard it before? Yeah. Knowledge is power. Knowledge will change your, your way of doing things. What you know about what God has done for you is what you need. 
Now look at this. He says, far above our principality, he's coming from somewhere, but it's okay, I'll just read from here, okay? Far above our principality and power and might and dominion. Let's go to 19. I think it will be better from 19. Go to verse 19. So Paul was praying for the church in Ephesus, and he was praying that they will get to know this particular thing. He says, I'm praying that you get to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power, of God's power that is at work for you who believe according to his, the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above our principality and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come then he says and has put all things under his feet he has put what? do you understand all things? all things means all things he has put all things under where? His feet. Whose feet? Whose feet? Jesus' feet, right? He says God has put all things under Jesus' feet. He has put this country under Jesus' feet. He has put the president under Jesus' feet. He has put that neighbor that you need to help you under his feet. Do you understand? If your foot is on something, it means you have authority over that thing. What your foot is, is on shows that you have those times when they when they defeat an enemy they keep their leg on his neck to show that they have been defeated it's in the old testament i don't know if i can show it to you it's, we don't have time i would have showed it joshua joshua defeated 10 kings and he invited the children of israel to come and come and put their legs on their neck to show that they have authority over them it's in joshua uh, chapter 10 24 Let's look at it. Joshua chapter 10 verse 24. You like what I'm telling you? So all things are under Jesus' feet. All things. All things. Say all things. Your health is under Jesus. That sickness that will want to threaten you and kill you is under Jesus' feet. That poverty that will want to threaten your life is under Jesus' feet. That business that would want to take you out of business is under Jesus' feet. That lie that will put you in prison is under Jesus' feet. Look at this. And it came to pass when, he, when they brought out those kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said unto the captains of the men of war, which went with them, with him, Come near, put your feet upon the necks of these kings. And they came near and put their feet upon the necks of them. Next verse. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and be of good courage. For that shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom ye fight. Wow. So all the probable things that will come against you in your life, He's letting you know. Now, this Joshua defeated the kings and he called the men of Israel to come and put their foot on them. That's what happened to us in Christ. Christ defeated sickness. He defeated poverty. He defeated condemnation. He defeated anything that will come against you in life. And he's calling you that come and come and see. Come and put your leg on that, on their necks. To know that you have victory over all things. His victory is your victory. Because you are united with him. His success is your success. Because you are united with him. Wow. Give the one a shot if you like what I'm telling you. So he says he put all things under his feet. 
and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Go back to Ephesians. And he put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet. And he gave Jesus to be the head over all things to the church. Then he goes on to say, the church, next verse, is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all and in all. The church is what? Is his body. Pastor came. please come. Let's clap for our pastor as he comes. Can I call Pastor Kem's head Pastor Kem and call his hands Ome? Can I call his head Pasteli and call his chest Zani? Because that is, his, that is his wife, so she'll be putting her head on the chest and she'll become the chest. Hey! Can I say that? If I say Pasteli, who am I referring to? I'm referring to his head and his whole body. So when we say Christ, we are referring to Jesus' head and his body. He says that Jesus is a head over all things to the church, to the body, which is the church. So we are united with him. We are one with him. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says that now are we, let's look at it, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. He says that you are members. Some of us are, are part of his hand. Some of us are part of his chest. Some are part, part of his bottoms. Some of us are part of his legs. Hey! Even if you are the smallest stone nail of Jesus' body, your leg, you are still over. You are still over all things. You have still been placed over all things. See, I've been placed over all things. Because I'm one with him. Wow. Let's clap for our pastor as he takes a seat. Do you agree that you are one with him? Do you agree? See, I'm one with him. Now, always remember, remind yourself of it. Forgetfulness is the biggest demon that we fight against as Christians. Forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. Say forgetfulness. Because you can easily forget what manner of man you are. If you have come to church like this, I'm showing you the mirror of God. I'm showing you who God has made you. I'm letting you know that now you are one with God. Can you imagine? Now that is big knowledge. If you think about it, well, it will put you over in life. It's big knowledge. It's big influential knowledge. It will put you over in your health. Can Jesus be sick? Was Jesus ever sick in his life? Are you one with him? So what is sickness doing in your body? My body is his body. My body is his body. Let me, let me show you. We are one. Listen. We are one in spirit, with him in spirit. We are one with him in soul. And we are one with him in body. Let me show you scriptures to it. In spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17. I just mentioned it to you some time ago. 1 Corinthians 6 17. But he that is drawn unto the Lord is what? One spirit. So we are one spirit. We are one with him in spirit. That is in the real us. Our spirit is so united with his that sometimes the Bible is even the Bible has some difficulty separating the two. The two. It's very difficult. Sometimes you don't know whether you are the one talking to yourself or, the God, or God is the one talking to you. Because of the oneness that you have with him in spirit. 
The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are the sons of God. We are so one with him in, the, in spirit. It's an amazing thing. Then in mind or in soul, we are one with him. 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 2, verse 14. Look at 1 Corinthians 2, 14. But the natural man received not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 15. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yea, he himself is judge of no man. Verse 16. Then it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Then he says, but we have the mind of Christ. We have his mind. Our mind is his mind and his mind is our mind. We have access to his mind. Just imagine if a student knew that his mind is the mind of Christ. What exams will you fail? I know there are a number of students here. Remember that your mind is the mind of Christ. Your mind has the ability to contain the universe, the whole world. See, I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Say it like you believe it. If you don't believe it, say it bigger. The more you say, the more you believe. And the more you believe, the more you say. Hallelujah. In the kingdom of God or in the realm of the spirit, your words matter. Okay? In the spirit, what you say with your mouth makes all the difference in your life. The, 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 the currency we use in the spirit is faith. And faith operates like this. Believing and speaking. Okay? In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13, he says, We are having the same spirit of faith as it is written. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. You come into the kingdom of God. You, you are brought into Christ through your believing and your speaking. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and verse 10. But what seeth it? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe with thine heart that God has risen from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Have you seen it? If thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that, the Lord, that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So you are saved when you believe with your heart, and you confess with your mouth. Then he goes on to say, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto. So believing brings you into it, but confession is what makes it available for you to handle. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So with the heart you can believe unto riches. With the heart you can believe unto health. With the heart you can believe, believe unto greatness. But with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, unto having the reality for yourself. Are you seeing it? So what you say makes all the difference. If you say, I am not, I am nothing, you will be a bunch of nothing. If you say, nothing good is going to happen for me, nothing good is going to happen for you. If you say, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, you will never know what you're going to do with your life. If you say, I've been failing since, since I left school, you will fail for the rest of the, of the years. We having the same spirit of faith, as is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, therefore we speak. Your words matter. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. If you want to have spiritual reality, you must learn to talk. 
you must learn to talk spiritual reality. If you don't talk, you will not have. You can believe as much as you want. You are brought onto in the realm of the spirit. It says, with the head man believeth unto righteousness. Righteousness is a spiritual thing. But with the mark of is made unto salvation. Salvation is a physical thing. You know that I'm born again now. So don't be a quiet Christian. Don't be a Christian who does not talk. The way for some things to live your life is by saying that it has gone out of my life. Yeah. If you don't say anything, you'll be a Christian for 75 years. Nothing will change. And you'll be surprised. You'll be wondering, what is it? What is going on? What is happening? I've been to church so many times. I'm going to church, but nothing is happening. You can complain till you die. You can be, you can be at loggerheads with God. Oh God, God is not doing anything for me. Meanwhile, he has done all that he needs to do for you. You need to say it for yourself. Jesus is the words I speak unto you. The words, John chapter 6, verse uh, 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth or gives life. The flesh profited nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They are life-giving spirits. Or they are life-giving words. So if you are not talking about your life, if you are not talking about the goodness of God in your life, you will not experience any goodness. It's amazing. If you don't confess the grace of God in your life, you will not have it, even though grace is available. Are you listening to me? So confess for yourself, I'm one with him. I am one in him. His victory is my victory. His success is my success. Listen, the word works. Okay? Tell me about the word works. Never believe anybody who tells you that the word does not work. The word works. The word of God works. It will, it will take you from where you are. And place you where God has designed for you to be. The word works more than a jujuman. It works more than any business you can start. It is more real. Everything we see around us came, as, came out of the realm of the spirit through words. If you believe that God is God, and you believe that God is the one who created the whole heaven and the earth, then you should know and believe how he created it. Because it is revealed to us. How did he create it? He conceived it and then he spoke it. He said, let there be light. The light we are seeing and the heat we are enjoying right now is as a result of God's word. That shows you how powerful and how important the word of God is. And that is, what, that is why he left us with his word. Why didn't Jesus leave us with a sign in heaven to show that he's alive? He didn't. He gave us words. He gave the people words. He says, if they believe, those who believe are by their word, by your word. That was what he said. Hallelujah. See, I'm one with him. Say it like you believe it. I am one with him. Hallelujah. Yeah, we are one with him. One is, so I've showed you one in spirit. And I've showed you one in soul. So you must confess it for yourself. I'm one in mind. Christ is my I have, Oh, I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. I think like he thinks. I produce fruits like he produces fruits. Then we are one in body. We are one in body. We are one in body. Even our body is one with him. First Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6. Hmm. 
Let's read from verse 13 to verse 15. It's an amazing thing. Meat for the belly, or meat or food for the belly, for the stomach, and the stomach for food. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication. This body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Meaning that this body is for the Lord, and the Lord is also for this body. Can you imagine? That we are so one with him that even our body is his, and his body is ours. Next verse. And God has both raised up the Lord, and will also raise us up, up us by his own power. Verse 15. Read it to me. One to go. Only these people are reading. Only these people are reading. Let's all read it together. One, two, go. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. You remember I read to you that he says that we are members of his body, of his bones, and of his flesh, isn't it? Now, how are we? Is it just in our spirit? Are we one? Are we members of Christ's body in only spirit? No. This one lets you know that we are members of Christ's body even in body. Our body belongs to Christ. Ah, know you know that your bodies are now, I know you are spiritual. He says your bodies, your physical bodies are the members of Christ. Our physical bodies are the members of Christ. So if I touch you like this, I have touched Jesus. I have touched Jesus' body. Wow. So if someone manhandles you, he's, he's manhandling God. He says, that's why he says, I care about you watchfully and affectionately. Brother, we are one with him. Say we are one with him. Say it again. We are one with him. I don't know if thoughts are coming into your mind concerning the advantage you have in life because you are one with him. Let me show you the last one. He uses so many things to, to, to let us know that we are one with him. The last one is that he is the vine and we are the branches. John chapter 15 verse 5 he uses agricultural terms to explain to us our oneness with him john chapter 15 verse 5 this is jesus talking he says i am the vine and you are the branches he that abided in me and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me you cannot you can do nothing says for without me you can do nothing i am the vine and ye are the branches have you seen a mango tree producing oranges before? Have you seen a mango tree producing purple? Have you seen a mango tree producing pear? Oh, you are not answering. What? That would be a very magnificent mango tree. Isn't it? A mango tree bears mango fruits. What are the fruits found on almost all 99% of trees in this world have their fruits found on the branches? Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are my branches. The life that runs through the vine is the same life that runs through the branches. The water that runs through the vine is the same water that runs through the branches. We are one with him. We are united with him. And amazingly, we are the fruit-bearing parts of Jesus. By us, people get to know that Jesus is real. By us, people get to know that Jesus cannot be sick. Your sickness does not bring glory to Jesus in any way. Your failure does not bring glory to Jesus in any way. We are the ones to bring forth fruits for all men to see that Jesus is alive.
Does the branch need to struggle to bring forth fruits? Does the branch need to tell the vine, Hey, Charlie, give me some water. Oh. Give me some sap. Or else I cannot produce fruits. Does it have to do that? All the branch needs to do is to remember that he is inside the vine. The success of the branch is to remember where he is. What he is connected to. Or who he is connected to. Your success, your, your supernatural abilities and your supernatural accomplishments in this life is dependent on, your, on the knowledge that you have concerning who you are attached to or who you are united with. See, I'm one with Christ. Therefore, I produce results. I produce fruits on every day of my life. Hallelujah. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T Podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.